Let's pray. Heavenly Father, teach us to be your saints. Amen. Well, you'll notice I'm not in the pulpit this week. Last week, I invited a guest to preach. Maybe after All Saints Day, he'll finally go back to Wittenberg. I love today's gospel, the whole salt and light thing. I'll be honest, I often feel more salty than I do lighty. I know we're supposed to be the light of the world, but for those of us whose batteries are a little old and running low and we're dimmer than we used to be, it's enough to bring some seasoning to life. Or, by the way, if we were on the mainland, keep people from slipping on the ice such as the role of salt, and I'm okay with being a salt person. Now, normally our gospel would have included the Beatitudes, you know, the blessed art thou passages. I intentionally left the first part off, and I jumped straight to the closing remarks about salt and light. See, most people assume when Jesus was preaching, he added all the chapters and verses as he went along. So his sermon would have sounded like this. Chapter 4, verses 23 to 25, Jesus, that's me, was going all over Galilee, teaching in their synagogues, preaching the good news of the kingdom, and healing every disease and sickness among the people. Then the news about him, again, still me, uh, spread throughout Syria. So they brought to him all those who were afflicted, those suffering from various diseases and intense pains, the demon-possessed, the epileptics, and the paralytics. And he, still me, healed them. Large crowds followed from him from Galilee, Decapolis, Jerusalem, Judea, and beyond the Jordan. And then he would have said, moving on now to chapter 5. Except it didn't happen that way. You know the chapters and verses? They got added a thousand years later. So why is this important? Well, a lot of people assume when chapter 4 ends, that then there's a bunch of time before chapter 5 begins. Otherwise, why would you have a new chapter? And to be honest, sometimes that's true, but not today. Chapter 4 ended with Jesus healing the demon-possessed, paralytics, epileptics, and people who were just really sick. And the crowds, which included, by the way, a lot of the people that he had just healed, and some new people, well, some of them were sick and some weren't. But it says the whole crowd was following him. So chapter 5 begins, when Jesus saw the crowd, he went up on the mountain, and after he sat down, his disciples came to him. Then he began to teach them, saying. Now, did you catch that? When Jesus sees the crowds following him, crowds made up of paralytics, epileptics, demon-possessed, sick, blind, deaf, he sits down and he says, all right, time for a teaching moment. And after he goes through the blessed are the poor and the hungry and the thirsty and the persecuted and those who mourn, he says, now go out and be the salt and the light of the earth. He wasn't talking to the rich and the beautiful, the powerful and the holy, although there would have been a few of those people there that day in the crowd. He was telling lepers and the demon-possessed and the blind and the deaf and the lost and the lonely that they were to go out and change the world. Do you see why this is important? See, if we stop at the end of chapter 4 and start up again at chapter 5 and disconnect the two, we miss the important context that Jesus believes so much in you and me and the rest of the world, as broken as we are, that he went ahead and sent us out to be the salt and the light of the world. This is where we insert that old Christians or cracked pots joke, except it turns out it's not a joke. See, if I have my act together, meaning I wrap duct tape around my jar, sealing up all the cracks up so tight that none of the light leaks out, when God puts his light inside of me, well, it stays inside of me. Nothing leaks out. 
I'm all warm and fuzzy and glowing on the inside because none of his light gets out. And if we use the salt metaphor, well, if my life is a Ziploc bag, one of those double zipper ones, then my salt won't leak out. And I'm never going to bring flavor to anybody or keep them from slipping on the ice. In other words, I might have it made. I've got all the salt and light that I need, but it ends with me. You know, if the light is all sealed up inside me and my baggie is double Ziploc so nothing gets out, no one would even know that I was a follower of Jesus. They just assume I'm one of those holy and righteous people who have their life totally together and don't need anybody, including God. A long time ago, when Nancy and I were getting married, she chose things for our registry. She chose some very simple Corel dishes for everyday use. And then she chose these beautiful, fancy stoneware. With, they had this really cool pattern on them. And those, those were going to be used for our special occasions. That's how we ate for over 15 years. Well, one day, I came home. Dinner was on the table. And it wasn't on the Corel dishes. It was on the stoneware and I panicked. I had obviously forgotten her anniversary or one of our birthdays or my mother-in-law's, uh, my mother-in-law had arrived or maybe the queen was coming to visit. It had to be a special occasion because otherwise the stoneware would not be on the dinner table. Oh, and what really shocked me was she let the kids have some of the stoneware plates. The panic on my face must have given me away because Nancy said, you know, they're just too pretty to pull out only a couple of times a year. So I decided we should use them more often. And I said, but what if we break them? And, and whereas that's what I said, what I really meant was, what if I break them? And she said, well, then we just won't have a complete set, but that's okay. I want to enjoy them. Jesus looked out into the crowd of people who were in pain, who were broken, who had cracks in their life, and he said, don't hide. Let your light shine. He saw the tears flowing down their cheeks, and he said, be the salt of the earth. And if we connect the end of chapter 4 with the beginning of chapter 5, we know Jesus had just healed a lot of those people. See, they could have gone back to their life, healed and whole. They could pretend everything was okay, get double Ziploc bags and wrap their jars in duct tape, and they would be good to go. No salt, no light leaking out. They would be all warm and fuzzy and flavored. But what about the rest of the world? See, to be honest, you can't really blame them if they chose to go the duct tape and Ziploc bag route. I mean, how many people cared about them when they were sick? How many people bothered to stop and say, are you okay? Now that they are healed and whole, they've got a lot of catching up to do. And any light or salt that leaks out means, well, that they don't have as much salt or light as they used to. And this is where we ask, you know, if Jesus heals you, if Jesus gives you back your life, if Jesus puts the light of his promise inside you, what does he expect? Is there a price to pay? Unnecessary response? Kind of like when your grandma used to give you underwear or socks for Christmas and your mom said you still got to write a thank you note? Or can you just go back to the life you imagined when you were sick or broken or deaf or blind and keep all that light and all that salt bottled up inside you just for you? You know, Jesus wasn't advocating going back to being broken or denying that we were ever broken in the first place. He was telling us our brokenness was never, ever the final word that was going to be spoken about us. He isn't sending us out because we have our act together now. He's sending us out because we know our brokenness. And we have a special kind of empathy for the broken. And by the way, the broken, they can see the brokenness that's still in our lives. They can see where we used to be cracked because the fracture is still there. Those who are still broken will listen to us, not because we're experts at being perfect, 
but because we know what it's like to be broken. And they're going to ask us, so is it true? Is it possible that I might find healing in life? In the book of Genesis, it says, God reached down into the mud and formed man and woman and set them apart from everything else he created by breathing the breath of life and the spirit into them. Unfortunately, that set apartness didn't last long because sin knocked the breath and spirit out of us. Fortunately, God didn't give up on us. We're still made of mud. And you know, one of the significant ingredients of mud is salt. And so when Jesus says, we are the salt of the earth, I get it. If you run me through a mass spectrometer, you would know I am whatever percent salt. And by the way, that percentage might be a little higher or lower, depending on whether I had french fries for lunch. And so when I sweat or cry, it makes sense that it's salty because the salt comes out of me when I'm hurting or pushing myself outside of my comfort zone. As to me being the light of the world, as I said, I don't feel very lighty. I love lighthouses. Oh, those beacons shining in the dark are fantastic. Pete's Dragon and Helen Reddy singing Candle on the Water, still one of my favorites. And last week, I bought the Mid-Atlantic Lighthouses stamps from the post office for Nancy. But as for me, I don't glow in the dark. Haven't found a switch that causes me to light up like a Christmas tree. I wonder how Jesus could say that I was the light of the world. You know, it turns out, when it comes to Jesus, there's two kinds of light. There's one on the inside and there's one on the outside. See, let's start with the inside. St. Paul says, it is no longer I who do these things, but Jesus who's living in me. When we are broken, if Jesus is living in us, he shines through our cracks. He shows the world God loves us, even though we're broken. God brings light into the darkest darkness. And as St. John said, the darkness cannot overcome the light. And, and so when Jesus puts his light in us, it shines out and, and it makes the most beautiful patterns. Last week, we celebrated the Reformation. You know, up until Luther, and, and by the way, there were a bunch of other reformers, but, but we're just going to talk about Luther right now. Generations of people had been taught that God only loved them if they were good or gave money or came from the right families. And before we point fingers at the church of that day, well, let's face it, it's often very common in the church today as well. And when people, hurting, lost, broken people, were told that God loved them, it made all the difference in the world. You see, that's light number one, the light Jesus puts in our hearts that continues to shine through our brokenness, not because we're perfect or go to church or, or did all these wonderful things, but just, just because God loves us. Last Sunday, I was walking back into the office when Hannah, our service dog trainee, a little five-month-old uh, fox red lab, she started running around the lanai, and, and, and she looked like she was crazy. She was following this flash of light, and I realized that the flash of light was the sun's reflection off of my watch, and that's when it came to me. I'm not the light. I never was the light. At baptism, Jesus put his light in me, and it's shining through the cracks, but but even though I can't be the light, I can reflect the light of Jesus, who is the Son of God. Just like my watch was reflecting the sun in the sky that day. But you know, if I cover myself with darkness, if I refuse to let the Spirit work in and on my life, if I wrap myself up in duct tape, I'm not going to reflect anything. The light will still be shining, but you're not going to know anything from just looking at me. Cracks and fractures let inside you shine outside you. And the brighter the light on the outside, the more it shines. And when it comes to reflecting the glory and the light of God, the more you let him polish you. But by the way, it can be kind of painful when he polishes, the greater the reflectivity. And even after he heals you, you know, Jesus doesn't expect us to be all perfect and holy. The cracks in your life let the salt and the light out. 
and that's kind of by design. Instead of trying to be the salt and light, Jesus says, you already are. You have everything you need to live a life of service and love. You aren't waiting for anything more. You are already the complete package. Now, as you live and love and laugh and learn, now that light is going to grow brighter, and the salt is going to get a little saltier. But you already have everything you need right now. The theme for Reformation and All Saints Sunday is God loves you. And God loves you not because you go to church or because you give money or try to be perfect. God loves you because you're you. And by the way, as you learn about God's love for you, it brings about your love for, for God. And that's when you start going to church and doing all the rest of these things. You don't do it because you have to. You do it because you want to. And that's what makes all the difference. By the way, God trusts you. It doesn't matter if anybody else does. God trusts you to take his salt and his light out to the world. And the most likely way that's going to happen is for you as you live your life, well, a bunch of that salt is going to leak out of that Ziploc bag or a bunch of that light is going to make its way out of all those cracks that are in your life. And Jesus is okay with that. In fact, he knows that it's actually the best way for others to see God at work as proof of his grace in your life. I want to take just a minute to put some wheels under this. You know, our Sabbath rest is about to come to an end. That's what I call the COVID months. I know COVID took an awful lot from us, some more than others, but all of us, all of us bore a, the brunt of the pain and the darkness and the uncertainty and the anxiety. But you know what? COVID also gave us an opportunity to reflect, analyze, think, be still, and see things that we could not see when we were running, running 100 miles an hour before COVID hit. And as that time begins to end, we need to be ready for what is coming next. Remember what Winston Churchill said? This isn't the end. It's not even the beginning of the end, but it may be the end of the beginning. Well, it's time to switch from survival mode to sustainability and the future mode. For 18 months, we were just hanging on. We can't just keep hanging on and waiting. We're never going to go back to the way things were exactly before, nor should we. And so now is the time to start planning personally and as a church because we do get a vote we get a vote on how things are going to be in the future now it's not the vote we're just one vote but you know what if we start talking about how we want things to be and how things should be we get to help design what the future is going to be i hope during this time we rediscover that we are the church we don't just go to church we are the church as people who believe in the priesthood of all believers, we need to stand ready and willing to empower anyone who's looking for an opportunity to let the light and the salt leak out of them so that they can change the world. We have been stretched in many aspects of our life. Hopefully, in spite of all the dark and scary things that have happened, it has taught us that anything, and I mean anything, is possible with God. The light broke through, even in the darkest of moments. We knew that we were not alone, that God was with us. As I mentioned last week, the quote from Reggie McNeil, the church does not have a mission, the mission has a church. You see, we are the mission. The mission is not them, whoever them are. The mission is us and always has been us, the broken, the lost, and the wayward children of God. You see, we have to remember that right now we might be us and they might be them, but we are always just one step away from being them. That's the way life works. And that's why in chapter 5, Jesus told the broken and the hurting and the lost that they were the salt and the light. Not that they could be or should try to be, but they already were because God had poured His grace and mercy into their lives and He trusted them. Jesus says it's as simple as being light in a dark place so those who have been trapped there can find their way out. 
it's bringing out the flavor of what it means to be forgiven. So those who are living a bland life come to know there is so much more. We may not be able to raise the dead, cleanse lepers, give sight to the blind, but if we love them as Jesus loved them, and we let our light and our salt leak out of us, that's when we're the church. If we keep all of our light and salt safe in our double zipper, ziplock bag or duct tape our broken jars so there's no cracks, then we are not the church, no matter how much we say we want to be or no matter how much we pretend to be. But Jesus didn't come to fix those who were perfect. He came to help people like us. He came to save us. And then he says, now, you are the salt and you are the light. Go. Go in my name and tell the world what you already know. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.